are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by our Head of International Economics, Joseph Caperso. Joe, good to have you on. Great to be back, Belinda. Now, the situation is improving in Australia, uh, New South Wales has eased restrictions, but today our focus is going to be on the global economic outlook and your team has just released its latest view on the global economy and the major economies that we cover. And 2022 is shaping up to be a reasonable year for the global economy, but it looks like we're starting to see some compositional shifts about where that growth is coming from. Yeah, that's right. So um, our um, global economic outlook hasn't changed a great deal for, for this year and, and next year. Uh, we're still forecasting uh the world economy will expand by about 4.5% uh, next year after an estimated 6.5% expansion in uh, this year. Uh, but we're, we're thinking that the US and China will be a little bit weaker and uh, the Eurozone and the United Kingdom a little bit stronger. So they roughly offset each other over the next 18 months or so. So we've obviously seen vaccination rates lift globally, particularly in those advanced economies, developed economies are still well behind on the vaccine rollout. And certainly the pace of vaccination rollouts is impacting growth in some countries. But one of the other thematics that we have seen in 2021 and and could well continue to impact in 2022 has been inflation. Now, we've spoken about it on podcasts before but we have started to see some other developments that could impact on inflation, haven't we? Yes, so inflation is above target in many of the economies that, that we cover, but especially so uh, in the United States. Um, so what we're getting is an intersection of strong demand as mm. the economies reopen and some uh, constraints on supply. Uh, and something that's happened just in the last month or, or so is uh, there, there is a, um, a supply shortage of energy products. Right. Uh, so think here coal and, and gas uh, in particular and oil to, to some modest expense. Uh, so with, with demand rising and supply uh, not responding uh, to that increase in, in demand, you're getting a big increase in the price of the energy commodities. So the oil price is, you know, well over eighty dollars uh, per barrel. I remember the very uh, worst of the uh, the pandemic. It was actually negative there for a little bit. Yeah. So uh, look, it has been a huge turnaround in in, in the price of, of energy, and uh, in many economies, the 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 price of high energy commodity prices are spilling over into an increase in retail electricity prices and so uh, those high electricity prices can act as a, a modest tax on, on consumption in a lot of the economies that we cover. 
So we're going to talk about the outlook for each central bank as we go through the economic outlook for each country. But certainly that lift in inflation has some central banks on edge. Now, we don't cover New Zealand in this note, but we have seen the Reserve Bank of New Zealand lift the cash rate for the first time in, was it seven years, Joe? That's right. It has it's been a long time. Yeah. The Norwegians uh, even kicked uh, the New Zealanders to the post by uh, increasing their uh, overnight cash rates uh, just a few weeks before New Zealand. But it just goes to show that uh, just how far the world economy has come, mm. that um, some central banks uh, are now eyeing the exit of their extreme monetary policy accommodation. And probably the first cab off the rank that we will talk about is the US economy. Now, their economy has performed quite well in 2021, but you have actually downgraded their growth forecast for this year. That's right. Look, we're expecting the US economy to expand by about 5.5% mm. this year. Uh, previously, we were expecting a 6% expansion, uh, but we've, we've, we've just also increased our forecast for 2022 from 3% to 3.2%. And the reason for this shift in growth from uh, this year to next year is the recent spike in infections and hospitalisations in the US caused a pullback in consumer spending mm-hmm. and also um, a material softening in, in jobs growth. Um, now, that, I think, reflects that US vaccination rates are lower uh, than say, in the other rich economies in, in um, North America and in particular in, in Western Europe and even in Japan. But the US is trailing and I think that's, that's caused uh, their economy to, uh, to soften for a bit, for a few months at least, but, but they should be able to gain most of that back uh, next year, I should think. Now, despite, I guess, that, I guess, slowdown in the last couple of months, we do still expect the FOMC to take the first step in taking their foot off the accelerator, if you like, in November? That's right. So we expect the US Federal Reserve to announce a tapering of its monthly asset purchases at its uh, 3 November meeting and implement uh, that uh, taper in the following month, in in December. Uh, The Fed Chair, uh, Jerome Powell, has been quite clear that uh, they do want to start tapering their asset purchases this year and they want to end them, end the tapering uh, in the, around the middle of next year. So let's call it um, a six, seven-month uh, tapering uh, cycle. Now, turning our attention to Canada looks fairly similar to the US where you have actually uh, shifted down the growth outlook in 2021 but shifted up the growth outlook in 2022. Yes, on average, uh, our Canadian forecast uh, and not that different to what they were uh, previously. The recent wave of COVID infections and ongoing supply disruptions temporarily uh, slowed uh, the Canadian economy, in our view. And given how dependent uh, the Canadian mm. economy is on the US economy, um, it, it sort of makes sense that uh, the slowdown in the US will spill over to, to a slowdown in Canada as well. But look, consumption uh, growth, or recovering consumption will really drive Canadian economic growth uh, next year, in our view. Canada has a, a quite a high uh, rate of, of vaccination amongst the population, so that, that is really going to um, see uh, consumer spending, particularly on services, 
um, really accelerate next year. And what about the Bank of Canada? So they have already started tapering their asset purchases, haven't they? Oh, that's right. They started uh, earlier in, yeah. in the year. Uh, we think by uh, January of next year, uh, the Bank of Canada would have uh, fully tapered mm. their weekly asset purchases all the way down to zero. So they're certainly going to be well ahead of the Fed. And uh, one one reason why we're uh, reasonably optimistic about uh, the Canadian economy is that Canada being, is a large exporter of energy commodities, I think oil and, and uh, shale gas and, and the like. So the, the big increase in um, energy commodity prices is a an injection of income into the Canadian economy. So it, it's going to support things like business investment uh, and the labour market as well. And so just looking at the forecast, we have the Bank of Canada starting to lift the cash rate in July 2022, but there's risks of an earlier liftoff. Yes, it could be as early as uh, April next year. So that's not too far away. It's only six months away now. So it just goes to show uh, how, how rapidly things have changed in the Canadian economy. Now, moving on to China, we've had Kevin Xiao, our senior Asian economist, on a couple of times recently talking about the outlook for China and all the different policy priorities they have at the moment between common prosperity, decarbonisation, uh, but you have also shifted somewhat the growth outlook for China in your latest report. That's right. So we've, we've cut, that, uh, cut back our um, pretty uh, bullish growth outlook for China for this year from 8.4% to 8.2%. And we'll just uh, trend uh, next year's growth forecast from 54 to 5.3%. Uh, there's, there's a number of reasons there. Uh, one is that uh, the rationing in the of, of uh, electricity in China is going to spill over to a weaker uh, manufacturing uh, sector. That's, that's quite a large sector in, in China, so that's going to slow uh, overall uh, growth uh, as well. Uh, another thing that will, will, will slow the, uh, the the economy overall is uh, the property market is uh, certainly being softening, and that is um, in part policy induced uh, because uh, the Chinese central bank for a number of years now <coughs> has been uh, quite concerned about uh, property developers having too much debt and about um, the risk that that poses to uh, the Chinese financial system. I guess the, the poster child for that is uh, that company Evergrande, yes. uh, which is looking uh, quite shaky at the moment. We, we think that um, Evergrande's debt problems are not a systemic risk to Chinese banks nor, nor to the uh, Chinese economy more broadly. But of course, we want to acknowledge that there will be some spillovers uh, in terms of a weaker economy, but it's not going to take down the economy. This is not uh, a Lehman Brothers moment uh, for, for the Chinese economy. And we expect the PBOC to adopt a mild easing bias, or just given that slowdown in growth? That's right. So the People's Bank of China have already uh, cut the reserve requirement ratio on banks, so that makes it easier uh, or cheaper for banks to lend. And we think they'll continue uh, to, to cut back the uh, required reserve ratio by about another 150 basis points between the, the fourth quarter of this year and the, and the first half of next year. Now, turning our attention to Japan, 
on your forecast, the Japanese economy will still be about 1% smaller than its pre-pandemic level by the end of FY 2023. It's kind of still hard to believe given most economies are now above their pre-pandemic level. That's right. I mean, Japan for a long, long time has uh, has got a a big problem with very, very weak uh, potential economic growth. So uh, when it has a recession, uh, they can be quite deep and quite long and and the recovery can be quite slow going. So because that seems to be the norm for Japan, uh, that's why we're we're still forecasting that the Japanese economy is going to take a while longer to, uh, to recover. Uh, Japan, of course, has a new uh, prime minister, yes. the 100th prime Hundreds. minister, wow. as it turns out. And um, there, there will be an election uh, later in October, uh, and that could well, um, I think there's a, there's a pretty good risk that the new prime minister uh, promises um, large-scale uh, budget stimulus, and that may well accelerate the economy, but that be an issue for next year rather than this year. Now, turning our attention to the Eurozone, and for a while there, the UK and the Eurozone were kind of the laggards of the global recovery, but it looks like momentum has picked up there. Oh, it certainly has. Uh, vaccination rates are typically uh, quite high mm. in uh, Western Europe and, and in in the UK. Of course, the UK uh, has probably the, well, the countries that we look at, they have yeah. the greatest protection against the disease. Uh, a lot of that, of course, is that the uh, the disease really went through the the population rapidly. So the natural uh, immunity is higher. That's right. Natural mm. immunity is quite high. But, uh, I mean, to be fair, they have uh, really uh, had a very strong vaccination program as well. So is Europe. Western Europe, of course, has a lot of production facilities of, of the vaccine, unlike in yes. say, countries like Australia and New Zealand. But they've been able to vaccinate their population uh, faster than more or less everywhere else. And uh, that's why we've upgraded uh, Eurozone economic growth, uh, our estimate for this year, from 4.4% to 5.0%. And uh, for next year, uh, from 3.9% to 4.2%. And what about the European Central Bank? Any changes on the horizon there? So the European Central Bank has uh, a rather large... um, um, Program. It's called the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program, or the PEP. The PEP. Uh, the PEP. <laughs> that's right. To pep up the economy yes, was uh, was like the design. Uh, and they've been uh, buying, um, be getting close to about seventy billion euro uh, per month of assets. Uh, that's scheduled to end no later, sorry, no sooner hmm. than March of twenty twenty two. Uh, we think, given the outlook for the for the economy, uh, they're likely to end that program in March 2022 as scheduled. Uh, but there's a reasonable risk that they increase their asset purchase program just to uh, make sure that the glide path to uh, less supportive monetary policy is smooth and, and you don't uh, destabilise um, financial markets or the, the economic adjustments. All right, and finishing off with the UK, some quite big upgrades there to both this year and next year's forecasts. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the economic growth in the second quarter of 2021 was incredible. Mm. It was up 5.5% in the quarter. So we more or less had to increase our estimate for the uh, entire uh, 2021 year. So from 5.2% to 7% uh, this year. We also lifted our forecast for next year from 3.8% to 4.8%. Now, these sorts of numbers that we're talking about here, of course, are very, very large. 
Uh, but don't forget that the UK economy shrunk the most yeah. uh, during the pandemic. So I guess it stands to reason that its um, recovery, now that it seems to be embedded, is going to be uh, amongst the strongest of, of the economies that, that we cover. But the UK economy is a long way to go just to get back to, uh, to where they were. But uh, we're confident that given the supportive monetary fiscal policy and given the very high um, vaccine uh, or vaccination rates in the UK, that uh, we, we think that there's a good chance that they will get out of growth strongly for this year and next. And that may bring the Bank of England uh, to lift rates in 2022. That's right. I mean, financial markets are actually pricing a chance they'll even go as soon as uh, November of this year. Oh, wow. But, but, but we think that uh, the Bank of England will wait to assess uh, the impact of the ending of their worker furlough scheme. Yep before tiny monetary policy. So we think it's more likely that interest rates in the UK will start increasing in February of next year and only by 15 basis points, up to 0.25%. And and then there'll be a fairly gradual uh, increase in uh, the official cash rate in 2022 and 2023, uh, taking the cash rate to 1.25% by the end of 2023. So it's a fairly drawn out and, and, and slow tidying cycle that we're expecting for the UK. Joe, it's been great to, I guess, go around the advanced economy world and, and China. Appreciate you joining today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Belinda. Now, you can read the Global Economic Outlook, Central Bank's Eye the Exit, which was published on the 11th of October 2021 on combankresearch.com.au. Mm-hmm.